But um, just before I get into sort of the main part of my message this morning, um, as we were coming down uh, the gorge, uh, me and the girls, uh, we were just chatting and um, I sent them to look up this house on the hill. And I said to Madeline, I said, oh, I said, I said, me and your mum, um, before you were born, honey, we, we went on this thing called the Tower of Terror in Brisbane. Anyone been on the Tower of Terror in Brisbane? It uh, really is a Tower of Terror. <laughs> and uh, it's awesome. Recommend you go do it if you like to uh, uh, you know, scare yourself silly. But um, it's a buzz. And um, anyway, so we were saying it's 39 stories high. And Lily was saying, oh, I haven't been on that, have I, Dad? I said, no, no, you haven't been on it. And, uh, and Maddie says, well, she said, well, um, she says, I went on it because um, I was pregnant in mum's tummy. And Lily was like, hey? And she said, yeah, I went on it because I was in, I was in mum's tummy. And, um, and we didn't know that she was in mum's tummy um, because it actually says on the sign, don't go on this ride if you're pregnant. Um, <clears throat> but Madeline's okay and she came out all right. So, you know, it's... Uh, but as we were talking about it, it dawned on me that she actually went on a ride that she actually didn't even know she'd been on. And I started thinking about this whole reality of that God knows us before we ever were born. So she actually got to experience something that she actually didn't even know she got to experience. And God knew you before you even knew yourself. God saw you before your mum and dad even planned you. In fact, God saw them before he saw you. And he saw their parents before he saw them. And I started thinking about this incredible reality of who is this God that says, come and get to know me more. Because before you ever were, I was, and you were already in my thinking before you ever arrived. And I've planned things for you before you ever took your first breath. Is this a truly beautiful person that we worship called Jesus Christ? And the more I thought about it as we're driving and we were talking as the ch- with the, my children, I was saying, you know, guys, we can fully trust in him, can't we? Because he knew you, me, and Lily before we ever took our first breath. So if that is the love of the Father, who's that intent, who creates before it ever comes out, how much can we trust him? How much can we truly give our lives to him? How much can we truly lay everything down to a God that knew me before I ever was? I just think it's phenomenal. And that concept, truth alone, that alone, never mind everything else that's contained in his living word, that alone is mind-blowing enough to lay your life down for him for you. So let's be a community that really pursues this person, amen? Not a religion, not a service. I love gathering together. I love coming together, but there's a purpose towards the gathering of the saints. It's not just to gather together. There's a purpose towards it. It's called transformation. It's called, I pray that you would not stop meeting and encourage one another while the day is short. Days are getting shorter. So continue to gather together and be and worship and encourage one another and receive my truth and allow the truth to transform you into me. Come to get to know me because I knew you before you ever were. No one is an accident. 
And God has purposely positioned and planned you and I for this particular time on the planet. That alone is an honour, isn't it? To be positioned in this point in history with what is happening in and around the world to have an impact through our lives, through the knowing of Jesus Christ. So I hope that encourages you today that he knew you before you ever were and he has so much in store for us, not from a selfish perspective but from a selfless one, to bring glory and honour to his name. Ephesians 1 verse 4, just as he chose us in him. He chose us. We didn't choose him. So often we think we chose him. He chose you. He chose me before. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Unbelievable. Because as we know, the foundation the earth created, then he created us. So before that happened, he chose us. To be what, Greg? To be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to his kind intention of his will. Unbelievable. No longer a need to be an orphan, feel like an orphan, speak like an orphan because you're not. You've been adopted into the family of families the king of kings, the dad of dads, the father of all fathers, the mother of all mothers is who leads this family. And we've been adopted in by the blood of his son to experience the fullness of him and what that means for us now and the future. And this morning I want to talk about his living word. I want to talk about the word of Christ. What is the word of Christ? What actually is the word of God? Let me tell you, it is way more than just words written on a page. It is way more than a thousand and something pages contained in a leather casing that we call the Bible. It's way more than that. Amen. Before we get into it, I just want to recap just five things that we've already covered, though, in this theme of I will build my people. I will build my church. Who is the church? We are. Who can tell me, here's a bit of a quiz, the very first pillar that I harped on about for four weeks in the building process of I will build my people. Because there are pillars that God establishes and builds his people on. Who can tell me what the very first one was, which I believe is the most important one in the whole deal? Not Mike on AV who's got it in front of him. Anyone from this side want to give it a punt? Intimacy, you want to unpack that more? Come on. Anyone in the middle? Not you, Simon, you already know. 
Lisa. Oh, good on you. On the revelation of himself. I will build my church on the revelation of the Christ. So literally on the unveiling, the unraveling, the revealing of the Son. Excuse me. I build us. Phenomenal. The Father is the only one who knows the Son. The Son is the only one who knows the Father. And to whom... Excuse me again. Sorry, that on video and on recording. Um, to whom the Son chooses to reveal. That was number one. Number two, on the baptism and continuous baptism of his spirit and his power. Okay, The disciples were radically altered in Acts 2 when they received the baptism of power. Go into the upper room. Wait there until you receive being clothed in power and then you will go into the world. That is a continuous and to be a continuous process of being baptized, baptizo, fully immersed in him, in us. Okay, Living a lifestyle of repentance. Not just living a one-off, well, I turned to God 20 years ago. It's a lifestyle of continually having your mind, heart posture renewed unto his reality. Your ways are not, are not my ways, so you need to repent, turn, and be in a constant state of transformation. Be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Number four, faith and obedience to Jesus alone. Faith and obedience go hand in hand to him alone. Peter, I tell you to throw the the net on the other side of the boat, but Lord, we've been out all night long, done everything that we know how to do. Nothing has worked. That's right. So throw your net on the other side of the boat. Will you obey my call and will you have faith? Bang, fish come in. And then we've been talking about building on the four slash five leadership giftings, the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor giftings. I build on these. I give these gifts to my church. For what? Unity of the faith. A oneness. Not of the flesh, of the spirit. A oneness of unity of the faith. To come to the full knowledge of God. And to come into the full stature of the bride of Christ. Why? So you are not no longer to, uh, sorry, swayed to and fro from, to and fro by like the, um, like the waves are. Getting caught up in all sorts of doctrine and being led astray from the reality in which my church is to come into. The sixth pillar is the word of Christ. And really there is no necessary order to this, but it's just how God's leading me to speak it. So I want to talk about the word of Christ. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Okay, Faith comes through the ability to hear. And the ability to hear, hear what? The word of Christ. So God's looking for faith to be birthed through our ability to actually hear the word of Christ. So what is the word of Christ? Because he has an expectation that the hearers that hear the word of Christ will then have faith produced within them. Is that a fair assumption of that? 
So how is faith produced in us? Through the ability to hear the word of Christ. So that's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Because if we all had a faith radar today, if we were to do a, a, an x-ray and we go, right, where's, where's my faith at? What is faith, Greg? Well, it says that it's a substance of something that you know. It says it's the assurance of what you hope for and it's a conviction of things that you haven't seen. So faith is a tangible substance, a knowledge of something or someone. And it comes, this tangible substance, through my ability to hear the word of Christ, the, the word of God. And I've just said to you, the word of God, the word of Christ is way more than just a book with pages written on it. Because if that was the case and we all were reading it, our faith would be huge, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a fair assumption? I'm a simple guy, help me out. I just read this and I go, yep, that's what that says, so there's an outworking that you're looking for. Galatians 3.11 says, the righteous man shall live by faith. So, are we righteous? We don't know. The righteous, he's talking to his church, the righteous man slash woman shall live by faith. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. This is Paul. And it is I who no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So the Word of God, God's Word, is to produce faith. And Paul said, the life I live now I don't follow tradition. I don't follow religious activity. I live by faith in Jesus Christ. I live in the substance because I've come to know because faith is the assurance of what I hope for. It's a conviction of something I haven't seen. But actually I've had the Christ revealed within me. So I'm living by faith now, no longer needing X, Y, and Z to, to, to guide me. I'm in this relationship with him, and it's produced through the word of Christ, because Christ was the word. And that reality is in me. It's not something I'm trying to grapple out here for. It's not a faith that I'm trying to, I hope I get by. It's not something I just hope it sort of happens he is hope. Hope is, becomes a certainty. So what is this word of Christ? What is this living word? Because I know it's way more than factual information. And yet we somehow seem to think that's all it is at times. If I study this, get some letters behind my name, then I must know it. Maybe, maybe not. So what is it? And I think Hebrews 4.12 is an example of what it actually is. So why don't we turn there and we're going to read it out. Hebrews is a fascinating book. All the books of the Bible are fascinating. But this gives us a picture. Hebrews 
Are you there? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active. Everyone say the word of God is living and active. It's living and it's active. But like the church, it's to be living and active, not passive, active. So the word of God, the word of Christ is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Man, what, what for? And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow. Here's the kicker. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Clay last week was talking about understanding starting in the heart. Wow, so understanding started in the mind. Isn't that where understanding starts? The mind? We think with our minds, don't we? Now, understanding the spiritual dimension starts in the heart. The world starts in the mind. The kingdom starts in the heart, in the spirit. Love God with all your heart first. See, there's an order in which God flows. Apostolic, prophetic. Teacher, pastor, evangelist, heart, soul, mind, strength. Starting to capture how intentional he is? It's not there by accident. There is a way in which I build on the pattern that I give you, Moses. On the pattern that I give you. On the pattern that I give you. You get the pattern mixed up. You have a dysfunctional looking thing. A builder doesn't fill... Chris, tell me if I'm wrong. You don't... Um, follow the building patterns which you're given, you get a dysfunctional building. You get dodgy foundations. You get a leaking roof like at our place because it's not built properly. Dodgy, shortcut. Let's take all the shortcuts and now we have a leaky roof that we've been trying to fix. It's a pain in the butt. Why? Because someone didn't build according to the pattern. And there is a pattern in which he builds you and I. It's not just give it a go random, let's see how we get on. So God's word is comes and it shines light and life into the attitudes that we carry in our hearts into the thinking that we carry. I love what Mel said the other week. She said, when you erect foundations that aren't of him, in your heart, in your mind, and he comes, the truth comes, he starts to shine his light on them, it's like an earthquake starts to happen in you. Why? Because the truth that you thought was him the truth is shining himself on those things and you realize your foundations, because he can't be shaken, aren't necessarily him even though you thought they were. And so it's like an earthquake. Who went through the last earthquake here? Man, I was up Bordeaux Bakery and the building was doing this. I thought it was all over. Man, me and Eric hit the deck, got under the thing and the whole building's moving. Well, that's what it can be like when Jesus comes and he says, I want to do a work in an area of your heart. 
that is not submitted to me, submitted to you. Or I want to do and come and do an area in your thinking which is robbing you of the life I called you to live in. Because you still see yourself as an orphan. Your language still depicts you as an orphan. You speak and think like an orphan does, yet my blood paid for you to think and speak like a son. So I'm going to come now and shine my light and my glory into this area and it's going to shake you up. It's going to feel like an earthquake so I can then propel you into a reality that's for you. This is what his word is called to do himself. It's, he came, light shone where darkness was. And sometimes we can think just because we prayed a prayer, we have no darkness. But the Bible says, how great is the darkness in your heart? He actually says that to the church. How great is the darkness? If this is what's coming out, then how great is the darkness? Do you know what spirit is operating out of you right now, James and John? Because the spirit that wants to burn down villages and kill people because they don't give us a donkey, don't think that's quite me. Because I came and I laid my life down for these people and you're trying to exterminate them. So there's something not quite right here. So God's living word is living, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It comes to birth life. Where life wasn't, where life is broken and dysfunctional. He comes and he wants to put that under the x-ray and then shine his glory and his power and his living word, which is himself, into that to what? Set us free. This isn't just a book, ladies and gentlemen. This is himself. So you can start to understand why we would be encouraging you to spend time with him. Not a book. With him. There's a different mindset picture, isn't it? Oh, I've got to go read. I want to spend time with the person who knew me before I ever was, saw me, placed me in history, and then went, and breathed life into me to a mother and a father. The Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates between soul and spirit. It cuts between bone and marrow. It is the most precise instrument on the planet to divide things, to create things where things never existed before. There is nothing. And God said, let there be light. The spoken word of God. We've got the written and we've got the spoken. We've got the spoken, we've got the written. Hey, Ezekiel, I'm going to give you my word to speak. And when you speak, this dead bones is going to form ligaments, tendons, and you're going to see something crazy, man. 
So speak to the dry bones and life came. A little bit more than just reading the book. Is the penny starting to drop? Let me read you what I've put. The Word of God is a living, breathing, transcending, transformational, powerful life source which performs a continuous work of renewal in and through us, taking us literally from one measure of glory to another. The Word of God creates life where life wasn't. The Word of God heals where brokenness exists. It births, forms, and develops the literal life of Christ in us, quenching our thirst and fills us up to an overflowing measure. The Word of Christ brings us into the spiritual dimension and reality that Christ lived His life from here on the earth. It's called living from His resurrected life. Two weeks ago, I spoke on that very thing. Go and have a listen again. This is what God wants to do in and through us. Why? Because he's preparing a holy priesthood that he wants to reign with him for a thousand years. And she'll be spotless and blameless. And he speaks. And he's always speaking. He's always speaking to us if we have ears to hear. One of the things we're going through at the moment with our girls is trying to get them to hear what mum and dad are saying. They listen, but they don't hear. So they're not doing what we're asking because they can't here, but they can listen. This morning was a classic. Lily, I want you to take the dog food and I want you to put that in the fridge upstairs. Then I want you to take your little keyboard and put it downstairs. Okay, Dad. We're in a rush, by the way, this morning as well. <laughs> I'm doing 50 million things. Come back down. The keyboard's still sitting there. Lily. Yes, Dad. Why are you playing with your toy, sweetheart, when the keyboard is still sitting there? Oh, I didn't hear you say that. She listened, but she didn't hear. We listen, do we hear? Why, Greg? Because faith is birthed and formed and shaped through the ability to hear. The word of God. But I read the scriptures. He got faith. And is faith being demonstrated? Because once again, if it's not being demonstrated, what does it say? Faith without deeds is... Eh. You show me your faith, I'll show you my deeds. See, faith is a loving, living substance that needs to outwork itself, in fact, that will outwork itself if it's living. If the Word of God is living, because why? Because, Greg, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It comes, it creates life where there was no, where there was no life. 
It creates wholeness where there wasn't wholeness. Come with me to 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Two Timothy three, sixteen to seventeen. All scripture. Everyone say all. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's now and the future. So all scripture, all of the word of Christ, the word of God, everything that God says and is in himself is inspired by himself and profitable for teaching. Are we teachable? Really? I ask myself this all the time. How teachable actually am I? You know how teachable you are? When someone comes with something different to you and you'll see your heart exposed to see how teachable you actually are and how much of the word of Christ actually lives within you. Even if the person who's coming is coming and it's not truth and you know that because God has revealed what they're saying to you, do you know what? how you'll know whether you're in truth or not? Because your posture towards them will be one of humility and love, not arrogance and pride. See that all the time. I know this. I know this. Let me tell you about what I know. And it reeks with pride. And it stenches with arrogance. And it actually loods over a person and tries to shrink. And it tries to close down things. That's not God. And it's actually fear-driven not faith-based. So this word of God that I'm talking about, it's amazing to teaching us for reproof. Ooh, now you're getting a bit harsh, aren't you? Reproof, Lily. Why haven't you put the keyboard away? I'm now going to discipline you. I love you and I'm going to discipline you. Why? So you come into the dimension that dad and mum are trying to lead you into. I don't want to have to keep telling you, sweetheart, when you're 20 to put the keyboard away. I want you to have matured and grown up so I, what I want to give you, the keys of my car, the inheritance that I have, so I know that you can handle these things and these things won't actually kill you and abuse you. You've actually got the nature and the character to handle what I want to put into your hands. Why? Because you've listened to the word of mum and dad who know more than you and it's formed life in you because you are smart. That's our hope for them. (laughs) My hope for myself with him. It goes on. For correction, for training in righteousness. I've just written 20 pages in my diary about 
living a life of righteousness. The righteous shall live by what? What's produced is the righteous live by faith. A life of righteousness. What is a life of righteousness, Greg? Christ's life demonstrated on the earth. These people who are having faith formed in them, what through? Through the word, this living word, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's active, it comes, it creates life, it takes what is dead and it reforms into something that's new. I take your ashes and I give you my beauty. And this person is walking around. What did he say to the woman in John 4? If you ask of me, I will give you living water. You will never hunger and thirst for anything else again. And this will flow in you like a well. So the challenge for you and I is, are we pursuing? Because I want to know you more. Because there is a dimension and a reality that is found in the word of Christ for the sons of God. Sons of God are led by the flesh, carnal thinking, old thinking. No, the new. How does the new come, Greg? Through the renewing of the mind. How does that come through, Greg? Through the word of God going to work on my mind and my heart. Producing a life of righteousness so then I'm able to demonstrate Christ or Christ through me here on the earth. If I was to come up to Chris right now and slap him, I wonder what his response would be. Wouldn't be good. Might be full on and Paul might have to pray over the both of us. <laughs> is, there any, is there a doctor here? Anyone have a doctor? We need you right now. Or a nurse? And pray. Just go and just start praying as well. Just over the fast side. Let's just continue. So, here's the challenge for us, is that if I was to literally hit Chris, would he revile against me? I read scriptures like this, it says, don't revile against those who come at you. Love them. Anyone else read those scriptures? My natural thing wants to but I'm being transformed through his living word. It's truly phenomenal. This word Clay used two weeks, uh, last week, transformative understanding. Did we hear him say that? That we are to come into an understanding which is transformative. I love those words when you think about it transformative understanding. Well, it's transformative knowledge that brings you into transformative understanding, isn't it? So the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, which will bring you into an understanding. It will bring you into true knowledge, real knowledge. Greg, are you saying there's a false knowledge? Yep. It's everything in our head and our heart that's not of him is false. And it doesn't birth life. So what is this true knowledge, this real knowledge? Because it's 
comes through the word. So just come with me to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. How phenomenally amazing is that? Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on, so he's saying to these people, these Colossians, you've put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. What about Colossians 2.2? I'll just read this out. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. I think in your notes, go have a read of 2 Peter 1 verse 8, 2 Peter 1 3. I think this is in the handout, Philippians 1 9. You'll see Paul declaring this reality of a true knowledge. True knowledge of who? Of Jesus himself. Well, once again, Christ in me births life. That life is untapped, it can be overflowing, it can literally be there's no limit to what God wants to do in and through us. It is a transcendence life, a resurrected life, walking, breathing. Here's some questions. Have we or are we receiving a true knowledge through the word of Christ to a measure that trumps anything of the flesh or the physical? Are we receiving this living substance, Jesus himself, so it's trumping and triumphing over this flesh suit that I still live in? We're called to be. He wants us to be. And he asks us to seek him for it. Because it's a reality he wants to give us. Why? Because he wants us to glorify him and live for him and his plans and purposes. It's really simple, isn't it? Another question. Have we or are we, and I understand these are pretty powerful big questions, received and experiencing his love to a measure that would trump, if you have, have a child, that would trump the birth of your child or children. So if you think about, I asked our discipleship group, I think it was during the week, what's the greatest thing that you have experienced in your life? And people were honest and they went around the room and shared. I said, do you think it's possible to receive and come into his love to such a measure that it makes that look like nothing? 
And there were three people that said, probably the birth of my child. And I think, especially maybe for a mother and a father, but for a mother, because a mother goes through that process, and there's this innate thing happening. But is it possible, do you think it's possible to receive him to such a degree, to know him intimately to such a degree, that really that makes that look like it is fully possible to it's that that enables you to be set apart and not be unhealthily connected to a child or a person or to stuff because it actually just disconnects you from which really is the lust of the flesh even though we might not understand that and realigns you, connecting you to him, which means you're then able to love unconditionally. Because this person or this thing no longer has your heart. He does. Which means when they don't quite stack up to the expectation that you've put on them, guess what comes out of you? Not disappointment, love. You may be disappointed because of the choices they make, but you don't have this set of rules and conditions that they must be like this by this age or this thing. Love is continually able to be poured out. Unconditional love, agape love. Why? Because you've received it from him. It's the true commandment that he gives us. You are to love one another as I have loved you. Not with this false, limited human love, but with the love that is in you because the word of Christ is so in you that you can. God does not lie, does he? He does not say things and then go, guess what, that's impossible to do. No. See, this is how phenomenal this is, guys, that this word of Christ, the word of God, God spoke, said, let there be light, there was light. God said, Ezekiel, come here. I want to give you a living word. Speak it and see it powerfully move. And I'm going to unpack more of this next year because we've all got holidays and stuff to come. Um, But I just want to encourage you and I hope that this has set something in your heart that you would be stirred to want to pursue. When you take Hebrews 4.12 and you place it into the context, the overarching context of the scripture, it's talking about the believer's rest. And it's talking about how Anne beautifully shared this morning and was very vulnerable as to where she's at and where God's leading her into. Talking about not necessarily being in this posture of rest and doing And the word of Christ, Christ himself, is to bring you into him. Come to me and I will give you. The Israelites never entered into the promised land because the word that they heard, they did not partner that with faith, so they never entered. Go read Hebrews 3 and 4. It says, Today do not harden your hearts like they did in the day when they heard the word. 
the living word that was spoken, that has life on it. Do not harden your heart. Pursue it so you come into rest, which is ultimately him in you. Philippians says it is fully possible to have a peace that guards a person's heart and mind. Think about that. The more peace you have, him in you, the less anything can actually affect you. Someone says a bad word about you, just go, I love you. And I don't say that cheesily. I mean, you're able to actually go, That's, I'm not going to let that get into my heart or my mind. When things go wrong, when you are unjustly accused, when you are unjustly persecuted, whatever that looks like, when you are wrong, when someone cuts you off in your car, and the monster comes out. Did you see that? When the salesperson at Christmas time doesn't serve you, Oh, I've got more of my money here to spend in the shop. And look, they don't even serve me. They don't even care about their customers. That's ugly. That is not him. It's really funny, eh? We, um, small story, then I'll wrap it. We had the girls' Christmas uh, school production. And there's cars everywhere. And I said to the guys, and we try and use everything as a teaching lesson for our girls. And we're sitting there, and we were there for a while, and we were there first, and you could just see everyone trying to get out the car park. And everyone not looking at us, because they knew they were actually should have waited for us. And I said, look, guys, I said, look at this. I said, it's amazing how when you get into environments like this, you see the heart of people, and the selfishness of people, and who's really looking after oneself. I said, we need to be people that demonstrate something else. So we'll sit here and we'll wait patiently. We'll enjoy one another's company while we wait. And we'll just wait to see if someone else might let us go. Or we might wait until the entire cars have to gone. See, a follow Jesus demonstrates Jesus. And this is the opportunity, and let's be honest, the enormous challenge that is in front of you and I. He gives us himself the word of Christ, the word of God, contained within what we call the Bible. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, become like me. Demonstrate, I want to demonstrate myself through you. It's fully possible. And that's why he gives us the word of Christ. So faith, life, vitality, vibrancy, rivers of living water become our reality, which means we will partake of the overcomer's inheritance. Amen? You and I, as his church, have been invited. There are promises in this incredible life-giving source for us all to receive, partake of, and to then live out now and the future. So, Father, I just thank you for today. I pray for that man, Father. Um, Lord, right now I pray for his health, and I pray that you would just 
powerfully be working through him as the guys minister to him. But we pray your life, your vitality, your power into and through his body, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we pray uh, for your word, your living word, that's sharper than any double-edged sword that's been professed and spoken today. We all would go deep into our hearts and minds. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the innate, authentic work of the Spirit you're doing here. And Lord, I pray we would just continue to submit our lives to it, knowing that we cannot figure it out, knowing that we cannot do it. But our role is to just submit and say, yes, Lord, and pursue you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray, Father, that more and more we would be going from discipline into desire and into delight. It would be a delight just spend the time with you, Father. I pray this all in your name. Amen.